Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Please just look at your neighbor. Be me smile. Just be me smile. Don't. This is the season of festivities. Christmas. Hallelujah. I think um, on behalf of the senior pastor, maybe if it was in the world, I would have said the choir should sit down while the rest of us stand. But this morning, we're going to give a clap offering to the Lord. Just for the beautiful night yesterday, to the glory of God, to the glory of God. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. We are thanking the Lord for the choir. They spent hours and hours and gave us an astounding program. The name of the Lord be praised. Choir, thank you. And I know that I speak the mind of the senior pastor and the entire pastorate in saying thank you so, so much. The Lord increase your anointing. The thing for this month is glory of his grace. And um, the topic we want to consider is behold the glory of his grace. We're not going to bother, but we'll read later our lesson text taken from John chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 18. We'll please bow down our heads as we take this worship song, and then I pray and we go to the message. Light of the world, you, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you, Lord. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to forever marvel that you left your glory, stepped into this world, into darkness, that mankind be saved. We owe you a debt of gratitude we can never repay. But Lord, accept our gratitude this morning. Accept the worship that we bring to you in recognition of the fact that you are our Savior. Father, even as we have come, we have come into your presence and your presence alone. 
We ask that you will please speak to us. You will cause us to have understanding of what you are saying. Father, I ask that you will hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, that I will speak as your oracle and your oracle alone. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. This message we just uh, divided briefly into three, just a short introduction. Then we want to look at the meaning and relationship of glory and grace. I know our senior pastor really talked on that a lot last week. Then we want to look at the embodiment of this glory and grace. Finally, before the conclusion, Conclusion, we want to talk about the peculiarities that are associated, which we must take home and continue to remember. The glory of God is a concept. And when you look through scriptures, right from Genesis to Revelation, it's all there, the glory of God. But we just want to consider briefly just three scriptures. Even when you take one book alone, the glory of the concept of that glory of God is there all through. Number one, creation declares his glory. Creation declares his glory. Except you truly, like they say, it's only a fool that says there is no God. Except you are. You will marvel just at this creation and creation alone. The design. And we're just talking about the earth that we can see. What are far beyond where there are billions and billions of stars and planets that we, have, we don't even know. And I'm not sure we'll ever know. And in Psalm 19 verse 1, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So when we gaze at the vastness of the universe, hmm, the intricate design associated, you can't but marvel that God indeed has glory. Number two, we humans were made for his glory. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, it tells us that humans were created for the glory of God. Of course, I bear his image, and you bear his image. Hallelujah. Never mind that some people are joining themselves to dogs now in the name of marriage. But please, we bear the image of God, and that image will continue till we die in Jesus' name. Number three, Jesus reveals God's glory. And in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, we are told that the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, that's it. We are just told that, that we have the radiance of his glory. So through Jesus, we see the invisible God that has been made 
visible to us. And we have seen his life, we have seen his death, we have seen his resurrection. Everything display God's glory. Please, without doubt, all scriptural passages, except otherwise stated, are from the New International Version, the NIV. Let's look at the meaning and relationship of glory and grace. First of all, the difference between God's grace and glory. Grace, like we were told last week, refers to unmerited favor. favor. And of course, God's kindness supreme towards humanity. And what are the characteristics, therefore, of this grace? It is a spontaneous gift from God. Spontaneous. Two, we do not earn or deserve it. We do not. It is freely given to us by God. And good enough, grace is what saves. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we are told, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of our own. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. If there's anybody to boast, it's the Lord. So when we receive forgiveness, when we receive love, we receive love and eternal life by having faith in this Jesus Christ. And by that alone, we experience God's grace. Let's look at glory. Glory pertains to the majesty, to the splendor, and the holiness of God. How do we characterize it? One, it represents the radiance of God's mighty presence. Number two, glory is associated with divine light and beauty that is beyond comprehension. Three, it reveals God's supreme greatness and perfection. And I we have to emphasize here and we have to recognize that glory is not a part of God. It is all that God is. So glory is God. Every aspect of God is glorious. i give you an example. When Moses encountered God on Mount Sinai, he saw God's glory in the burning bush. Hallelujah. So what's the relationship, therefore, between glory and, and uh, grace? They are bound together. You cannot separate the two. And as we go on in this message, we are going to see why. Embodiment of this glory and grace. We now go on to just to read the passage from First John chapter one, verse fourteen through verse eighteen. There's a passage. Incidentally, our senior pastor read yesterday night. The Word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, which is the last verse I will read. No one has ever seen God, but the one and the only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So number one, in Jesus, we see God's glory. In Jesus, we see God's glory. When you see Jesus, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you are seeing God's glory. You are having an encounter with God's glory. So what does it mean, therefore, that the word became flesh? In verse 14, which we have just read, <clears throat> it says, we have seen his glory. Glorious of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It means that in Jesus, we can see the glory of God. All you need is to see Jesus, is to have an encounter with Jesus, is to have a relationship with Jesus. The good thing is that the relationship with her, we have uh, with Jesus, or let me put it anyway, the glory of God that is revealed in Jesus does not consume us in our sin. It doesn't consume us because God is holy. And God hates sin. That is the paradoxical nature of the fact that God is determined to get through to me and determined to get through to you. Everyone. As long as you are a human being. Instead, this glory that has been revealed, as the Bible has stated, it is full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord. So, the glory of God in Christ is his disposition. His self-decided disposition. His gracious disposition towards you and I. Even though our God remains the same yesterday and today and forever. So our God remains truthful. Our God is faithful unto himself and himself alone. But for this graciousness, you and I may have been in trouble. We'll have been in trouble, not me. We'll have been in trouble. So that's why he says, look, when this grace came, this gracious disposition, as the Bible says, he uses the word, the Bible says, fool. It was given to us in full measure. The word fool modifies glory. The glory of the Son of God is full of graciousness towards us sinners. The Son of God, the grace that God has given to us 
is without repentance. But then, God remains the same. Jesus remains the same. Number two. So, what do we mean when we therefore say that the grace that Christ came with, full of grace, and we are going to say untruth. We'll see truth in a moment. Full of grace. And what I need to say is that Jesus, who is the Son of God, decided to come to us. The Bible says that he took the nature of man. He took flesh. Let's not make any mistake about it. He could have taken that flesh and still decided to come to us in judgment. And if God had decided that it would be judgment, nobody would have escaped. Because the Bible tells us that all of us, we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that is where grace comes in. The grace that is full. He took on flesh. And why did he therefore have to take on that flesh? Because he, he had to die to suffer the punishment that was reserved for me, that was reserved for you. The grace that Jesus came with, the glory that is with the Father, he came in its fullness. So, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. And that being flesh led straight to Jesus' death on the cross. That's why he had to have flesh. He had to have flesh in order to die. He had to be human in order to die. As to take our punishment in our place. Funny enough, the cross is where the fullness of grace shone brightest. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. That cross, that cross, that cross. That death performed that salvation and he purchased victory for us. Hallelujah. The truth. The reason why Jesus coming or oh, grace full of truth is that, like I said before, God had to be gracious to us but true to himself. And when Christ died, God was gracious to us because Christ suffered in our place. Now, let's look at a second part of this thing. Let me call it spiritual beauty. Many of us are taken, including myself, to physical beauty. There is nothing wrong with it. But beyond physical beauty, what is that inner beauty? Do you have an inner beauty? Christ showed an inner beauty that is incomparable. In fact, when you go to Isaiah 53 verse 2, the Bible says that, verse 2b, let me not quote the whole verse, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So those who were probably, can I say, blessed, 
to be alive when Jesus came. Jesus didn't have anything extraordinary in terms of physical beauty. In fact, probably if you were to have just looked at him, you just throw him aside. But then, his inner beauty showed in the fact that he did the works that he did. The works that were of the Father. He spoke the words that he did. Words of wisdom from above. Words of God. But then, some people looked at him and they threw him away. Some people heard him. They even saw the miracles. They knew the miracles happened. They did not see anything beautiful in the Lord. Today, I, I put before you Jesus Christ. Jesus, who had physical beauty but did not show it. But his inner beauty radiated through. Like yesterday, it was made before us. Choice between life and death. Which one will you choose? There were many people who, who chose otherwise. They chose death. In fact, the Bible says in John 11, when you go to it, verse 45 to verse 48, they wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. Why? For showing spiritual beauty, which was not in consonance with their lives. So, what about you? Are you going to be with Jesus? Are you going to kill him all over again? Jesus came into this world within this period of festivities that we celebrate. He's coming. He showed spiritual beauty. So, when we look at it, if you are with him, we want to look at the way he speaks, the way he acted when he was around, the way he loved, the way he died. And by grace, we see God all by himself in his divine glory and his divine beauty. May that be our portion in Jesus' name. And that is where we now talk about grace and truth. Grace and truth. We'll soon see, we'll veer in a statement to grace and glory. But now, how do they meet grace and truth? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The glory of Christ, who is the image of God, is what John, in chapter 1, verse 14, that we read, talks about. He calls it glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember, Paul is talking to people, you and I, who never saw Jesus when he was here on earth. He never saw Jesus. But the glory of the scriptural passages, the glory of Jesus Christ, as recorded in John chapter 1, 14, and 2 Corinthians 4, 4, is a glory that we see spiritually. It's the glory that by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit helps us interpret that we understand and we see the beauty that is of Jesus Christ. Especially as you read scripture 
and you hear the story of Jesus Christ. You don't have to see him physically, even though Jesus still visits some people physically. They see him in a dream. If God, in his majesty, in his graciousness, decides to visit you. In John chapter 20, verse 29, he says, Blessed are they who have not seen, but they have believed. So, we meet Jesus every day. We see Jesus every day. We see him in the gospel. We see him in the totality of scripture. What will be your verdict? What will be your decision? So, I ask myself, are you born again? The glory and the grace that God has given to us, that God has shown to us, have you seen Jesus? If you, when you read verses 12 and 13, we're not bother going there. I think we have read it already. It says, it's described to us being born again. It describes to us, and then verse 14 said, those who were born again, they saw the glory of the Son of God. So, there is that aspect. It's not just that you just see the glory of God. When you decide to come unto Jesus, when you decide to have a relationship with Jesus by being born again and say, Jesus, come into my life, you will see the glory of God. That's why the Bible tells us in that verse 12 to 14 that to all who did receive him, he gave power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. In verse 4, we are told, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Though, so, when new spiritual life is given, new light comes into your life. When you embrace Jesus, new life comes into you. Yes. By hearing the story of Jesus, saving these, whatever, his words, seeing the miracles, hearing testimonies, God creates in us a spiritual life that tries to capture the glory of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 23 to 25, I read, For you have been born again, and I'm talking to those who have decided to accept Jesus, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And then it says, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You can imagine in your life daily how much of cream and perfume that we use. But this skin is still going to wither like grass. You know, Okay, let me ask you a question, church. Listen. Somebody you love so dearly, if the person dies suddenly, maybe in, in the house, you are all together, 
Are you going to leave the body with you? You love the person dearly. Are you going to leave the person with you? Never. Why? It will decay and start smelling. Even you yourself, you will not be able to contain that odor. Our sins that Jesus in all his glory came down for, they are, the odor is worse than the odor that comes from that decaying person. Praise the Lord. Therefore, let's decide to throw away no matter what we have loved, they will decay. We ourselves we will decay. The ones that are around us that are decaying now, throw them away and come to Jesus. So now let's look at what are the peculiar glories of his grace. What are the peculiar glories of his grace? Number one, God's grace reconciles us to himself. God's grace reconciles us to himself. And that's why it's written in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that when Jesus came, I quote now, 328, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So before that, when Jesus came with this grace, saving grace that we have defined, Everybody becomes equal to him. No more Jew. You remember that Israel was God's chosen people. But Christ came. Even everybody, Jews and Gentiles, male and female, no difference. So the first thing is that Christ has reconciled us to himself. Whoever comes to him is acceptable to him. Let's never forget that this grace we are still talking about, the grace of God remains a mystery. It's only God that understands. Only God understands, you know, how he came about this grace, this grace that is so mighty beyond comprehension, embodied by love and just delivered to us. And along that line, remember, God chooses those who ought not to be chosen. He chooses the unqualified and qualifies them by grace. For example, he chose Paul. And Paul admits in 1 Corinthians verse 9 that he is the least of the least. If Paul says he was unqualified, the least of the least, yet today, arguably, he's the greatest apostle what about you? God needs you. God needs your services. Are you going to make yourself available? Remember when he called Paul, then he was Saul. Saul surrendered himself. It was like Saul was saying, wherever you send me, I will, I will go. Are you available? Yes, you can 
We can sit down on our chair and say, we are the least qualified. God, thank you. But God calls you. He has need of you to tell others about this grace. You are unqualified. Christ qualifies you. He will qualify you. In fact, like some people say, Christ does not need the qualified. And in any case, nobody is qualified. Number two. The second reason, the peculiar glories of his grace. Second reason is that grace is given to us to bring glory to God himself. Number three. God called us to a holy calling. Not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us. And this thing that he has given to us, we can get it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He gave us this grace even before the ages began. And he gave it to us in Christ Jesus. Number four. We should know that this grace we are talking about is sovereign. It is given to man according to the absolute will of the Almighty. And that's why we cannot explain every incident that comes our way in life. Because God reserves that almightiness for himself. That he chooses to do something at a particular time. Just like he has given us grace. Number the next one, we should know that the grace we are talking about, we have said before, is free. We are not expected to do anything to earn it, even though he now qualifies us to do good works. You first receive him. He qualifies you by the Holy Ghost now to do good things. You are not the one doing it. The Holy Ghost in you gives you that enablement. Next, the grace God gives to us is full. What do I mean? Grace covers all of our sins. There is no sin that is beyond him. You are a murderer. You are a liar. You are a thief. Whatever it is, grace is full. This grace also is continuous. It's not like the river that flows and dries. They say, it's dry season. It is dry. No. In dry season, it overflows its banks. In wet season, you can, you can think of it. Therefore, what do we do? This grace that God has given us should be the subject of our praise. Every day of our life, it should be the subject of our praise. And I thank God again for yesterday that we remember that Jesus came into this world for which we have praise unimaginable. So, praise God while your mind surveys the whole plan of salvation. Let all men see the result of grace in your life. Praise God for your personal testimony because as you have an encounter with God, like this morning when we prayed, oh, many of us missed it. But please, don't miss this hour of encounter. Whenever 
You know, whenever you have that encounter with God, you have personal testimonies. And you praise God for it. Let people know you are praising God for what he has done for you. The glory of grace is its power. It conquers anything. Nothing is more powerful than it, than that grace. Like somebody said, it conquers the most stubborn of sinners. Like Saul said, Christ chose me. He's the chief. He persecuted the church. He killed Christians. But God still chose him. The power that is in this grace conquers every situation. It subdues the hardest heart. Let your heart be made of stone. The Bible says that he can replace it with a heart of flesh. Will you accept this Jesus? Will you submit to him? For those of us who have accepted and decided, Lord, I give you 80% of my heart, but 20%, leave it. Don't enter. I keep it for myself. Christ is ready to replace it. This glory of grace is benevolent. When we ask, he gives, he delivers, he supplies, he conducts, he supports. You don't have to be anything spe anybody special. The only qualification, I have the mark of Jesus with me. Because what God has, what this grace makes available to us is inexhaustible. Grace gives away everything. It does not reserve anything for itself. If, if God were to reserve anything for himself, he would not have given 100% his only son to die on the cross of Calvary. It's nothing you ask of God. You ask in the correct mood. The Bible says God will do it for you. As long as you don't ask amiss. Jesus is grace personified. We have seen in him the beauty, the excellence, and loveliness. By him, it is displayed to us. Now, the last thing I want to say is that this grace we are talking about is the apex of the glory of God. A man called John Piper, a teacher of God's word for many years, said, if the glory of God, I hope, which is the biggest mountain in Africa? I think it's Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. In the world, what is it? Mount Everest. Listen. He says, if the glory of God is Mount Everest, the grace of God is the peak. If the glory of God is Mount Everest, the grace of God is the peak. That's why we started by saying that God is glory personified. That's his, his glory. It's not as if we're attributing something to him and say, okay, this one is glory for God. No, he is glory himself. He only gave just a little bit of it, the peak of it, 
and say, Grace, take it to the world to reconcile man to us. May our image conform to the glory of God. In conclusion, I say, this glory comes to us as grace which was given to us Christians before the universe was made. Yes. Before the universe was made. Because Christ was there at the beginning. The Bible says nothing was made without him making it. So the grace was there, but Christ now made it more obvious in its fullness. This grace has been given to us and to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. You and I are called to receive this grace. Shall we? Shall we bow down our heads? The glory of his grace Grace just didn't come about. God is glory himself and gave out grace, which is the peak. You are here this morning. You want to accept this God, even through Jesus Christ as your Savior. Just raise your hand where you are. Let me pray with you. Wherever you are, whether you are in the main hall here, whether in downstairs in the pineal hall, or whether you, we are privileged to have you online, worshipping with us today, wherever you are. In case you are online, I may not see you, but don't forget, Jesus sees you. A number is going to be displayed on your screen in a moment. If you accept this Jesus, please text forgiven so that somebody can call you and pray with you and we continue to pray for you so that you will run the race but are you here in the hall right now i want to quickly pray before my time is up the grace of god coming from the glory of god give it to you and i Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Father, you've helped us to see grace manifesting, coming to us by the graciousness of God who is glory personified. Father, we ask that all our lives we will remember from whence we come at. And that, Lord, we will press on by this grace. Help us, O God, to be available to tell others about this grace. Thank you, precious Father, for as many as are fighting who are hearing your voice, saying like Saul, I need you to carry on with this grace. Tell others about this grace. Father, I ask that as you continue to wrestle with such a one, he or she will surrender to you. We bless you forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.